0: Tonight's show is brought to you by the Ozarks Home and Outdoor Recreation Expo, Bendetti Optics, and you, our listeners. Um, what else do we have here in housekeeping? Oh, here's a big one. I have joined a new cult. Super excited about it. You know... is up guys and welcome back to the wayward stories podcast wayward stories is the podcast dedicated to our wanderings and our wonderings how are y'all doing tonight how was your labor day weekend we are literally i mean it's labor day right now today as i record this y'all they are hot and fresh here lately these episodes are coming hot off the grill, straight into your ears. You might remember before I was able to get, you know, out ahead of production by a month or two, um, when I was off for two weeks at a time, when I was only working half a year because I was doing the over the road thing in all those cities for Big Purple, for the Big Purple Giant. Um, But now with school and everything, y'all, it's like I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Like, I got to get this dude cranked out tonight. And turn around, and oh crap! What is it I've got to work on tonight? Oh yeah, Comp Two. I have an essay due for Comp Two. Um, so yeah, we're 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 uh we're in the danger zone. We fly right into the danger zone. Cue Kenny Loggins. Um, anyway, how are y'all doing? How was your Labor Day weekend? I hope you had a great one. Whatever it is that you like to do on your um, holidays, three day weekends, I hope that you had a good time doing it. Mine was interesting. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Actually, this episode is going to be about something I literally just did up until last night. Um, But before that, let's get into the now infamous housekeeping portion of the show, because I do have a few things that I want to talk about. Um, number 1, I mentioned in I believe it was the last episode where I talked about you can kind of figure 5 degrees for every 1000 feet that you gain in elevation. Like cuz that can actually be useful. If it's 95 degrees down in a valley wherever you're staying and you're like, "I don't really know if I want to hang my hammock and sweat all night and be gross out there in the woods up on the mountain." Well, if you're going up three or 4,000 feet, you're going to knock off 15 or 20 degrees. So whatever the overnight high is going to be, it's going to be much lower than that. That's something that's useful that you can take into account. Well, I figured out, and this is why we're talking about it again in housekeeping, is my five degree mark was not accurate, but it was real close. I mean, that was, for me, it was just based on personal observation. That's just something I've noticed over the years, and that was just a round number. And I'm actually kind of proud of myself for noticing that little, um, that little quirk of nature and anyway i was real close there is an actual formula for it and it's 3.5 degrees for every thousand feet and you can i kind of sort of bank on that from the research i did just to kind of fact check myself but three and a half degrees per thousand feet it's pretty close i was only off by a degree and a half and it's not like i was running around out there with a thermometer um so keep that in mind. That could be a useful tool. That could be a useful bit of knowledge. I've always said the best tools are the ones that don't cost anything and weigh nothing. And that is information. That is why I love research. That's why I love to study. And that's why I'm such a huge proponent of it to all you guys. Know what the heck you're talking about. Learn what it is you're getting yourself into. Um, it really opens up the world to you. The best tools weigh nothing. And it all resides in your head in the form of intellect. Um, What else do we have here in housekeeping? Oh, here's a big one. I have joined a new cult. Super excited about it. You know, um, of June, I've joined the Subaru cult, um, and this is gonna be interesting because for some of you longtime listeners, you go back—I don't know, 12, 15 episodes. I don't know. I talked about, I think it was the Explore More episode, and we talked about vehicles a little bit. We talked about Forerunners, we talked about Subarus, and at that time, I mentioned that I'd done some, you know, background checking on Subarus because it's a big fatty fad fad thing right now, um, and that I didn't come away with a real hot impression. Um, I'd consulted someone who had been a mechanic in the industry um, for Subaru specifically, and he didn't say a lot of hot things. And so I kind of left it at that, but, it came into my wheelhouse because I was like, I had to, y'all, I had to. I was super sad about the ex. I had to let the ex go. The mileage was high. I still owed a lot of money. There's a whole big, long story behind that that has to do with, you know, I've mentioned in just a couple episodes ago how important credit is. Well, you know what? You can pay on a car till the day you die. And if you've got a bad percentage rate, a bad interest rate, you're, you'll are you never pay it off. Well, I got that exterior coming out of a divorce, right? Yeah. So anyway, the mileage was getting high. I still owed a lot of money, but it was still running great and it had a little bit of equity. And I was like, I really need to move on this. And what prompted me was gas. Y'all, we know about that. We've talked about that recently too. Jesus. It's gotten rough and Subarus, you know, they're clocking in at 33 highway miles per gallon. And like, this is the bigger, more important number, 28 in town. That is sheer insanity. So I was like, I'm really going to look into this. And I dug into it hardcore. I did some deep dive research. I really went down the rabbit hole and I came away with a different perspective. And this, this right here is a great example of what I tell you guys all the time. Um, and I mention passingly all the time, because it's kind of a core tenet of how I view life. There's nothing wrong with being wrong. I mean, heck, I did not have to tell you any of this story. I am broadcasting to currently all six continents or six of the continents of the world. We're still looking for Antarctica. I'm looking at you listeners. Get me out there. Um, But I'm broadcasting that I was wrong about something. I don't have a problem with that. That was my understanding based on cursory research and checking with some sources that I had. But upon a deeper dive, because it became more prevalent in my world and something I really wanted to consider, I was able to find more information and it swayed my point of view. And that, y'all, is what you call personal growth and evolution. Now, we are talking about a car and that's kind of silly, but it's not because it's a principle thing in principle. If you carry throughout your life a hate, I don't know anything for sure. You know, you tell me they're alien lizard people. Living in the center of this earth, running a shadow government, and all of our political leaders are puppets. While I may agree with you that all of our political leaders are puppets, I'm going to think it's pretty ridiculous the whole alien lizard people part. But you know what I won't say? That it's not possible. I mean, it's not possible, but it's not possible. I can't say that it's not possible because you know why I can't say that. I've never been to the center of the earth. I read a book about it once. I'm pretty sure that was fiction, though. However, I've never been to the center of the earth. I couldn't tell you. I could not tell you. You know what? Do I think it's ridiculous? Absolutely. But will I say 100% that's not possible? I'm not willing to say 100% anything. And that's why I'm making up this completely ridiculous idea to just demonstrate. You've got to be open to being wrong, guys. I've been wrong so many times about... About so many things in my life, the convictions I've had as a young man—that's something we do. I think it's a testosterone thing. Like when you're growing up, God, I don't even like to think about growing up. It's a horrible, awkward, sweaty time. But I'm wrong about a lot of stuff. But I've always been willing to change. Like there's nothing wrong with being wrong. It just means it's something you haven't learned yet. I don't know. I don't see a problem with it. I'm always open to being proven wrong. And this is a case where I was, and I am now a proud member of the Subi cult, and I really am, y'all. And we're going to do an episode on this. We are. I, I, I've got to get a little bit more inspiration going on, but like saying goodbye to something like the Xterra that had become a best friend, had become a best friend, truly, in so many ways. And some of you guys, I know some of y'all know what I'm talking about. If your current car isn't something that you got fond memories of and a special attachment to. You probably have had a car that was, for a lot of people, it was your very first car. But anyway, I am now in the Subi Cult and I took a couple of road trips this weekend, and I averaged 32.9 miles a gallon, and it took me double, twice, as far as the Xterra ever could on the same amount of gas. And that is an interesting thing that we're going to talk about. This is what we're going to talk about in the episode about cars whenever we get to it because it is a personal evolution of sorts as to where I'm going and what I'm wanting to do um and it facilitates that better than the X-good at this point in my evolutionary process so anyway just interesting stuff going on in my world and I am loving this here little subizu anyway this car is sunshine orange, y'all. Now, it's a super deep orange, it's, it's, but it's orange. It's out there, and some good friends of mine decided they were going to name it, and they came away with Lady Clementine. So this Subaru, the X didn't have a name. The X was the X. The Xterra was the X. Well, this car is Lady Clementine, which I'm all about. So like we've kind of expanded on it a little bit, and her, her full legal name is going to be Lady Clementine Sue Biscuit. The first of Rivendell, probably going to go by Sue Biscuit more often than not. But Lady Clementine is a very prim and proper name, and it's just perfect. Um, and I absolutely love it. But don't let her name fool you. That car, it's got some chops. Those little Subies have got some chops. They really, really do. Um, and I'm excited about it. But anyway, let's move on. Let's get into tonight's show. Again, long housekeeping, long care, don't care. Okay, Um, we're going to move on and we're going to get popping on tonight's show. So what are we going to talk about tonight? Well, we're going to talk about my Labor Day weekend, because there's a broader through line that we can discuss here that will give us. It's it's kind of a great example of some of the things that I preach from this platform behind this little desk in the corner of my living room. Um, And that is getting out. Even when like the odds are against you, money's against you, finding ways, being resourceful and finding ways to get yourself that time you need to be out there to go explore, to to explore yourself, to explore your world, to whatever it is that drives you. We all have our own nuanced drives and motivations to get outside. All of us do. And that's part of what makes the world so awesome is all of our nuances, all of our different flavors. Um, And for me, this weekend went from being I don't want to say catastrophic, but on a personal level, I was going to go down the old depression rabbit hole. I really was because I was not going to get to do what has become a tradition. I look forward to every year when these big, long, extended holidays come around. If I'm not going to have my daughter and go on my own little adventure where I go out and I explore and I do the things I want to do. And I come up with podcast content and I get pictures for Instagram and I take videos for the YouTube channel. Like I wasn't going to get to do that. Um, the way I wanted to, I've been planning y'all. I want to go to Palo Duro Canyon. It's only about a seven hour drive from me here in Fort Smith, Arkansas. It's over there just South of Amarillo. Um, and it's a cool desert canyon. I want to get out there. I want to do some mountain biking out there um, or in just some hiking as well. There's some great photographic opportunities. And that's what I was kind of sort of planning for. And I got this here new car, you know, with great gas mileage. And I was like, ooh, I might be able to do that. But what it came down to in the end was I didn't really have quite enough money to do it because I was going to have to get a room because all of the camping was already booked in all of their sites out there. Um, I was going to have to get a room. So there you go. Even at the cheapest place you could find, you tack 130 to 150 onto your trip if you're going cheap. And on top of that, I had a lot of homework. OK, I have some essays that I need to finish for my composition class. And then I also am working now through, oh, I had to finish and I did finish my art history to class. I had a final that I needed to finish and I got to get popping on, um, history to U S history to, and my philosophy class kicks off literally, well, it kicked off last week and the set first assignment is due tonight. Um, so I had a lot going on and I was like, crap, this just doesn't make financial sense. And it also doesn't make response, red- responsible adult sense. Okay. You got homework you need to do. So I was like, we've talked about this and I try to be very open and transparent about this. And it can be hard to do y'all. Like it can be hard to do when you're putting this out there for anyone to listen to. Um, But I was getting ready to go down the depression rabbit hole. I was feeling pretty sick inside. Um, And I think all that goes back to honestly, like poor trauma from childhood, like what I can't do the resources I don't have to do the things that I want to do and live the life I want to live and basically being controlled by circumstances. And then talk on top of that, just, it, it kind of speaks to the broader con- loss of control of my own self-interest. What do I want to do? How do I want to do it? And that, that that triggers a lot of stuff that can trigger a lot of stuff. My anxiety was not good. I wasn't having a real good out, good outlook on life. I was feeling pretty depressing. Um. But I decided I came up with a compromise. And that's why this is a great story for this week, because, you know, we like to blend here at Wayward Stories. It's what we do. We like to blend like life lessons and self-reflection and looking in on ourselves and finding ourselves. That's the whole Wayward Stories idea. Again, figuring out who we are, what we want and going after it alongside, you know, the outdoor aspect of it, because that's where I found mine. Right. So I came up with a compromise. And it fits also with the broader context of what I preach to you guys all the time. I mentioned it a while ago, finding ways to get out on a budget, finding ways to get out on time restrictions. And this weekend, was a great example of that. And we're gonna talk about it. So, what I concluded I should do is, I should take a series of day trips throughout the weekend, and then I would come back in the evening and I would do one of the assignments. That I needed to do and get it out there and get it back to um, my professors and that's exactly what I did like it actually worked out really well yes I still felt kind of cruddy in ways because I was missing out on the bigger I want that I need those adventures to places I haven't seen before that's a part of my personal evolution wanting to go experience new places and new cultures and new ideas like in Palo Duro Canyon Y'all, I've told you about my love for the desert Southwest, like it, good grief. I, I don't know, guys. I don't know. I don't know how to put it into words. It is ineffable for me, but the desert Southwest draws me. There is something about it and the stark beauty of it. There's just something about the desert. There's something about New Mexico, Arizona. There's something Nevada. There's something about those places that's just absolutely alluring to me. Well, Palo Duro Canyon is is a little reminiscent of that. It's got a taste of that because you're getting into the desert. You're getting real close to Mexico. It is a full on desert canyon. And I was like, I want to go there. It's a reasonable thing to do. So I was feeling some of that still, even with my compromise. But the grown up part of me also recognizes that had I not fulfilled my responsibilities, I would be feeling a whole heck of a lot worse right now here today as I'm recording this episode because I'd have been trying to record this episode and figure out how to get all these assignments done crammed into one night. It would have been ugly. It would have been ugly. So I made the other decision to compromise and it worked out really, really well. And we're going to talk about those Two different the two different day trips I took over this weekend tonight, and we're also going to talk about a couple of day trips of uh, a Labor Day. It was actually a Labor Day past. It was two years ago. I did a similar um, a similar situation to this where I took I think I took three day trips that weekend, and we're going to talk about a couple of those and kind of give a little bit of an idea and an overview and how much money it actually saved me and it brought me home every night to where I could do some of the things I needed to do here, and it worked out really really well. So. Let's talk about first, before we get into the freshest, because those will be kind of how we, you know, go into the break and come out of the break and wrap up the episode later. Um, and the easiest for me to talk about the other two were two years ago. Um, but we're going to start with those because I really think it it will fill out the episode and it'll give you guys, again, some ideas, some, 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 uh, a template of sorts of just an idea how you can do things if you feel like, hey, I've got too much going on to get out. So. Day trips in and of themselves, not usually of the greatest interest to me. And again, that's more of a weird Justin thing, not necessarily all humans are this way, human trait thing. It's not that it's me. And it has to do with, you know, again, how I view the world and whether I'm being constricted or not, if I'm being constrained from doing exactly what I want to do, like I have this like rebellious nature inside of me. That's like, no, you can't tell me no. No circumstance can't tell me no anymore i am a grown up i will do what i want to do but when it comes to like money you know i don't get to tell money to to uh take a hike i don't get to tell it i'm going to do what i want to do um but day trips are great in that you can still get out. I mean, if you turn it into a whole dang day thing, you get up early, you take off. For me, again, it's the unknown. Where can I go see things I haven't seen before? Where can I go do things or experience things I haven't done before? And after a while of living the way I live, you know, we've talked about this. My adventures fill all my free time, which now school's taken over a lot of that, you know, sure. But To keep me from being home and being depressed over these last few years of things that I've been through, you know, I went and I got out and I did. Well, I've been doing it for the last four to five years now. And you start running out of stuff, guys, in a way, the most obvious broad things that you can find when you do your Google, when you get online, when you do anything, you start running out of stuff and it gets a little more. Again, restrained, restricted, like, what can I actually do? But if you take a long day trip where you're willing to drive and put a couple of hours between you and wherever you want to go, you can get into, again, a little bit of fresh territory. And that's kind of the concept that I had to ride on. That was my situation and kind of what I had to do. Um, And a couple of years ago, one of the day trips I took was down to the Casatat River. Y'all, that's a pretty cool day trip. If you're anywhere within a day's drive of Casatat, Casatat, we've talked about before, it is a beautiful mountain river down in the Ouachita's, deep in the Washita, southwest Arkansas. And I mean, indigenous word, Casatat means skull crusher. Y'all, it is a primo classed whitewater river. It's one of the premieres in this state and the entire nation. It is amazing. So I went down there, um, didn't have a playboat. wasn't going down there to actually float on that weekend. It was literally get me out of this house. I'm going to drive three hours somewhere to something I have not yet experienced or seen. And that's exactly what I did. I just drove down there and then I explored y'all. And there's a lot to be said for that. There's so much that doesn't feedback that does not kick back on Google searches on Google Maps on any searches you can do. If you really dig and you know what you're digging for, yeah, you can find some things. But when you don't know what you're digging for and you're just looking of things for interest, of interest for you to do, a lot of times you don't you, you don't see these things. But then you go when you get there on site and you start going, "Holy crap, how is this not online? Why has no one ever put this in the Google review? Why is this not there? There's stuff everywhere." And that's part of the idea. You got to live it, guys. You got to go and you got to live it or you can't find the things. You can't do the things. Cossetot was a great example of that. I knew Cossetot essentially through word of mouth and what people have said and videos I'd watched online. And guess what all of it's about? I don't know. It's a river called Skull Crusher. It probably has a whole lot. Everything's going to be about whitewater. Everything's going to be about playboating. Everything's going to be about white water that's it well it's not just white water it is absolutely picturesque if you're into photography especially long exposure photography and you get a nice overcast day or you've got the camera set up to capture good long exposure on full sunshine days it's nothing but rapids and waterfalls guys and massive hydraulics that would eat a cow like The Cossatot is an incredibly, insanely beautiful river with all kinds of photographic opportunities. On top of that, are you a fisher person? Smallmouth fishing in the Cossatot is amazing because smallmouth are native to Arkansas. Smallmouth love mountain, cool water, fast running rivers with rapids and runs and pools and drops. That is the Cossatot. I caught so many fish that day, guys you go out and you can explore the rapids. You can explore some of the stair step drops. You can explore some of the pools. You can stand there next to a hydraulic, not experiencing it via kayak or raft, experience it standing literally inches from it. There was one in particular I stood right next to, and it almost mesmerized me. I mean, it was almost a hypnotic effect, watching the water roll in and out and watching that churn like you sit there and you really stare at a hydraulic up close and personal on a rock right next to it. You can get a pretty good idea of their power. You can get a pretty good idea of how they're working in the hydraulic action. It's kind of fascinating and it's super, super soothing and peaceful. I mean, it's dangerous and it's it's violent if you're in it. But sitting there looking at it, it's kind of like a lava lamp. It's kind of like a real life lava lamp. It's just you see that amorphous flow and it. All it is is the pressure, the power, the weight of the water. And it is insanity. Cositots like that. The fishing is incredible. They had an awesome day park down there like you. And this was a place where the water was much less turbid and you could wade in. I was in waist deep and I was just killing smallmouth fishing. Y'all. It's a beautiful little place to go. There's some dirt roads back in there and you find your way down along the river. There's a lot of exploration to do down in Costa and the state park there. So that was a day trip I did a couple of years ago. And see, that fits the theory, not the theory, um, that fits the the bigger story here, what we're trying to tell, the bigger theme. You know, it was the words, the, the words were throwing me off tonight. It doesn't fit the theory, it fits the theme of tonight's episode, which is, Finding stuff to get out and do. Like it was a good two and a half, I think, hour drive. It got me away from the house, out doing something into nature, out there with mama earth, out there experiencing the things I love, out there with my feet in the gravel bars, waist deep in a mountain river, catching smallmouth, doing my thing, being my weird pseudo hippie self that I've become in my old age. It was really really, really cool. And it was a new experience. I am a very experiential person. It's one thing that's becoming extremely clear, clear is I am an incredibly experiential person. I love to learn. I love to experience. I love to feel it on my skin. I love to see it with my eyes. I love to taste it and smell it and smell the cedar trees and the pine trees and it, the honeysuckle. Oh, honeysuckle. Oh, honeysuckle. I love the smell of honeysuckle and the taste for that matter. Um, I'm just an experiential person and that has its perks, but it also has its drawbacks. And any of you that are like me, you, you understand this because it's like the perk is it's always driving you forward. You're always in an evolutionary process, which for me, I love. If you are that kind of person, you're probably an evolutionary person. You want to evolve who you are. And that comes through learning and experiencing and it drives you and you just gain this massive amount of knowledge and experience and wisdom and all these things that just make you all the better for whatever the next phase of your life is, whatever the next chapter is. The drawback is it makes it hard to want to do the same things over and over again because you crave new experience. I crave new experience. You know, I know a lot of people. And I see it on Instagram a lot. I see it on Facebook a lot. And they go back to the same swimming hole every weekend. That's great. That's awesome. But that's what they're there for. They want to go to the swimming hole and relax and drink some cold whatever they want to drink and let their kids swim and just chill and relax. And that's where they want to be in life. And they're happy with that. For me, I'm just not that kind of person. And it doesn't, you know, one's not right and one's not wrong. That's just two different personality types. And it takes all kinds. It takes all of us. Me, I don't want to go back to the same spot over and over again. There are a few places. I'll go back to the mulberry any day of the week because I enjoy that river that much. I'll go back to the buffalo. And plus, you can have a new experience on the buffalo every time you go with 100 billion miles of river like the Buffalo's is incredible. And I think I've floated the majority of of the full length of the river at this point in my life with 20 years worth of sections at a time. But like, it's always a new experience and it's always an amazing experience. And the places like the Buffalo again, or more like places like Yosemite where it's like, yeah, you can always go back to that. But just like the normal everyday thing that you're close to, you're going to find anywhere locally. I don't really want to do it over and over again. I want to go experience it once, maybe twice, maybe in different conditions. You know, you can hike down to Big Bluff during the day and hike out. And that's great. But I'll go back like I did and hike down and stay the night in a hammock and stay on Big Bluff and do astrophotography. You know, that's a specific experience. It's not just the place. It's the experiences that I chase. So that is a drawback because you start running out of new experiences. But what I'm telling you and the point of tonight's show is when you get out and go and you allow yourself to go dig in and start looking, there's more there that you never knew. And the two trips that we're going to talk about from this current Labor Day weekend after the break, I'll give you a really good idea of a lot of that. Some of the stuff that I I maybe sort of knew about, but found more when I got there. Some of it, it's it's very, very fascinating stuff. Um, And that's what it's all about, guys, is getting us out Getting us out there searching and finding the things we want to see, whether it's photography, whether it's fishing, whether it's just some of you guys are really into barefooting and just hiking bare feet and like grounding. Like that's some big stuff going on right now. And y'all, I know a lot of you that listen. I know a lot of you personally that listen, you know, a lot of friends of mine and stuff that aren't into all that at all. And you don't see it with any amount of respect whatsoever. But I mean, I won't foo-foo on it. Not by a long shot because there is something to be said for getting in touch with, I don't know, you know, the planet that supports our existence on this. I mean, we are alive because this planet exists. I'm not going to look sideways at anyone who has their own ways of communing with literally our life support. This is our life support system, right? Anyway, it's all really interesting stuff. And it's all stuff that you can go experience for yourself and the day trip the day trip is a really good way to do it um it, like i said it can be that compromise where it takes you know the camping fees or the site fees or the day use fees possibly or the hotel fees if you need some of you i have a lot of folks that listen to me that are are getting on up there just a little bit in age and it's it's just too hard It's just too hard to stay out. And if you can't afford a camper, where are you going to go? You still want to travel and they'll go and they'll stay in their hotels. Like if you can do a day trip, sometimes that's that compromise that can save you the money. I mean, had I gone on the trip I had planned say, you know, I'd have spent an extra $150 this weekend as it stands. I got 32.9 miles to the gallon for several hundred miles all across the western portion of Arkansas and found a lot of things I've never seen before for a fraction of that. You know what I mean? And got to eat some really good food at places I'd never gotten to eat before. Like it can be a great compromise. The day trip can be a great compromise. Anyway, we need to cut and go to commercial break for a few minutes. And when we come back, we will talk about this weekend's trips that I just took. And uh, we'll see you guys on the other side of the break what is up all of you wayward souls i want to tell you guys about our newest sponsor bendetti optics a brand based right here in the good old us of a portland oregon to be exact and i bought my first pair of bendetti sunglasses about a year and a half ago and fell in love with them so much so that i got online and ordered a couple of more pair and when i did there was a small shipping snafu an order fulfillment snafu and i got on the phone gave them a call and guess what i get a call back from who one of the big men themselves right there in portland from the top of the chain have a great conversation and we end up starting this great relationship we have they more than made right the little snafu that occurred and I am now a huge proponent of them because I can tell you from personal experience they are good people and they are trying to compete with the big boys out there coming in at a price point of about $40 but using the exact same frame material TR90 and the same polarization process as the big guys as it turns out something I think we are already probably new in our hearts when you buy big name sunglasses, you're buying a big name, not necessarily any more quality than you can get somewhere else, like at Bendaddy Optics. They have 29 different styles. They have multiple polarization options for whatever climate you happen to live in. And they back it up with like this lifetime guarantee that if your dog eats your sunglasses, it doesn't matter how you break them, send it back in with a check to cover shipping and handling, and you're golden. You got a new pair on the way. These guys are truly trying to do it right and they have this philosophy that a really good pair of sunglasses should not cost you so much that you are afraid to wear them and i think all of us outdoorsmen can relate to that so if you guys like me are very practical and like to get more bang for your buck and wear some great looking sunglasses check out bendettioptics.com that's b-e-n-d-e ttioptics.com, or you can go over to instagram slash bendetti optics and that i highly suggest whether you buy a pair or not just to check out the cutest pupper you'll ever see modeling sunglasses once again that's bendetti optics.com and make sure and let them know wayward stories sent you What's up guys, I want to tell you about tonight's sponsor, the Ozarks Home and Outdoor Recreation Expo. It's being held at Rogers Convention Center in Rogers, Arkansas, October 21st through the 23rd of this year. This show is for all of us outdoor enthusiasts and it's going to feature exhibitors and vendors that specialize in the products and destinations that tailor to all of our outdoor predilections. So if you guys are in the market for your next big kid toy, or a new piece of gear, or you just wanna find some ideas for your next adventure, or maybe you wanna rub elbows with all of your fellow outdoors people, we're all gonna be there. I'm gonna be there all weekend, all three days, Friday through Sunday, daylight to dark, At my booth, we're gonna be giving away t-shirts, sunglasses, stickers from Bendetti Optics. We're gonna be giving away some handmade tactical gear for hiking and search and rescue applications from another great friend of the show, Solomon Dry Goods. It's gonna be a whole event, y'all. This is a statewide thing, it's a big deal and y'all need to get out and check it out. If you happen to be an exhibitor or a vendor, if you want to secure for yourself a space at the expo to let people know you're around, send me an email at mywaywardstory at gmail.com. Once again, we're talking about the Ozarks Home and Outdoor Recreation Expo, Rogers Convention Center, Rogers, Arkansas, October 21st through the 23rd of this year. I hope to see all of you there. And welcome back. Thank you guys for sticking around through the sponsor break. Um, so let's get into my stories from this most fresh, present, current holiday weekend. Starting Saturday, Friday night, I did schoolwork. And starting Saturday, I took off on an adventure through Southwest Arkansas. And what was the inspiration for that particular um, adventure? Honestly, it was kind of a trip back in time. It's a little bit of a nostalgia for me. Um we've talked at length if any of you guys have been around the show for a while you've heard me talk numerous times about Big Purple. Um it was a huge significant part of my life for many many reasons. Um for a long time in my very first route with Big Purple. Left out of Fort Smith, Arkansas every morning, traveled a good solid 55 minutes to an hour south to Highway 80 in Waldron, Arkansas, and then I started doing stops all the way out Highway 80, all the way to a little town called Danville, all the way over to another little town called Ola, from Ola back over to Plainview, Plainview all the way down to Cranes Nest, which is within like 30 miles of Hot Springs, and for any of you outside of the United States of America um, or outside the state of Arkansas, for reference, the furthest stop on my route and by the way the furthest stop from that terminal in fort smith arkansas for the whole terminal for any company running out of that terminal the furthest stop period full stop was on my route on trail 86 and it was approximately two hours and 43 minutes drive time from the terminal when i had to go all the way down to that stop and then i would take 314 back across the backside of that little ridge, I don't know what mountain that is particularly, Um, and hit 27 south, and 27 south down to Chula Road, which gets halfway down to Mount Ida. Again, we're talking two and a half hours from the terminal, deep in the southwestern section of the state. Um, And then I got to drive all the way back up to Rover and take Highway 28 all the way back to south of Waldron, and then I had to turn left. Not right, not north, I had to turn south. Mm, that be that that doesn't make any sense in podcast format, does it? I had to turn south away from Fort Smith, Arkansas and drive another 15 miles south to do more stops before I finally made the hour and a half drive from that part of my route all the way back to the terminal, some usually 12 hours later, after having done like maybe 55 or 60 stops over 350 miles. On, on days, it was usually about 320 miles, so on days when... We touched the four corners of the earth is what we used to say when we would have the worst stops on any given route all in one day. Because every route had three or four stops that were just like, you would see it on your manifest and you would start hitting your head against the wall. Not today. Every once in a while, the cards would fall and the big, (laughs) the big purple gods would frown upon you for some transgression that you had committed. And he would give you all worst stops on your route in one day and we touched the four corners and when I had to touch the four corners it was a 370 mile day and I had to stop and get gas out of my own pocket because the one gas station that I could purchase fuel at down in that area did not take fuel man cards my corporate card so I had to buy it out of pocket and then get reimbursed it was a whole thing I hated those days but it was a 350 it was 330 to 380 mile route depending on the day but As much as I hated it, I have some fond memories of it because, you know, I've told you guys that the podcast was kind of born and conceived in this format, the way that I have thematically set this podcast up in California on a trip for Big FedEx or Big Purple for FedEx. But the idea of making a podcast and the evolution of me from the person I was in the few the months directly after my divorce and my entire cataclysmic, earth-shaking change of life. And it wasn't just from that divorce. It was a whole life thing. Everything shifted. I'm talking dramatically, seismically. Um, it was in those 13 and 14-hour-long days that I discovered podcast. It was in those days I discovered audio books and audible and all I felt inside of me was a drive to get somewhere else, to be a better person than I was before, to learn more, to ex- advance myself and my everything in this world, mostly intellectually and spiritually and emotionally, like all the important things. And that was born in these 13 and 14 hour days, 12 to 14 hour days driving around in the beautiful, beautiful Washita mountains in all kinds of emotional turmoil. But those podcasts gave me something. They gave me something to listen to. They gave me something to take my mind off all the horrible things. And in those first, you know, 12 to 14 months of my employment with Big Purple, I'm talking like evolutionary things were happening happening in the life of the old wayward son here. Like the idea that I wanted to have a podcast, I wanted to speak with a public voice about things that mattered to me was born there. So much of who I am right now, this minute, saying the words that are coming out of my face mouth were born in those first months after my divorce on that route in the middle of nowhere, seeing nothing but deer and bald eagles and and loblolly and plantation pines and lakes and creeks and rivers, the Fushlefe River, Nimrod Lake, all that stuff. It literally has kind of a special place in my heart. Like we've talked about that at least once on some episode. I don't remember which one, but how there's good and there's bad. It may have been when life gives you lemons. Um, how there's good and there's bad. Sometimes something that can be totally, totally horrible can be happening, but good things can be happening within it. And I think that's a part of evolution and that's a part of growth. Well, a lot of that was happening down there in the Wasatch Mountains, seven, six days a week um, for like 14 months of my life at a very, very, very formative time of my life. It's not very often that your formative years revisit you now, is it? Like you you do a whole lot of that formative stuff when you're like three to four years old and when you're like 12 to 15 years old and when you're like 20 to 25 years old. It's not often that those moments revisit you. And they revisited me at 38 years old and a lot of good things came out of that. So I have a lot of fond memories of that. Since I quit running that route, I hadn't seen it. I hadn't been there and that's plenty of time to forget the crappy crap that there was about that route and being gone all those hours of all those days of a week and just be able to remember as we talked about in that one episode, I think that little defense mechanism on our brain always likes to remember the good stuff, the good times. So like it has this like little bit of a, you know, a, a fond memory, a place within the fond memories file of my brain. So that's where it started was like, Hey, that would be a really cool trip to take today. It's just retrace it road for road, not not to every stop, not up driveways, because that would just be creepy. But actually, the highways, at least and the towns, go cruise through them, you know, and that's exactly what I did. And I found stuff down there that was just awesome. Now, I used to deliver like, for example, you get down there far closer to Hot Springs, the central part of Arkansas to kind of geolocate it for those of you outside of the United States. There's a lot of lakes down in those deep, deep valleys created by the, uh, the Washita Orogeny and the uplift that created the Washita Mountains. There's some deep ravines. And I mean, it's kind of a great place to build some dams, you know you get a place where the ridges are pretty close together and you pour a bunch of concrete in between them, you've got a hydroelectric dam and you've got clean energy for a whole lot of people and big recreation opportunities, right? Well, Nimrod Lake is one of those lakes and I delivered to their project office all the time when I ran that route but I never actually went and saw the dam. And I was like, you know what? That's what today is, is adventure. So let's go down and let's go see the Nimrod Dam. So I did, I drove, I retraced those tracks. I went down highway 80. I went through Danva, Danville, went over and saw Ola, went to Plain View, went down and ran 314. Well, when you go down from Plain View towards Hollis and towards Cranes Nest, you go right by the lake by Lake Nimrod itself, but then you go by the project office. So we whipped in, I went up there and checked out the dam and y'all, it was cool as heck. I got some pictures that I really, really love. Like after editing, I really, really, really loved those pictures. You guys go check them out. They're over on my Insta page. Um, at waywardson119. You guys need to follow me on Instagram. I'd love to get in touch with you guys that way, but go over there and you'll see some of those pictures. They're super, super cool. It was a super moody day. The clouds kind of rolled in, they were kind of low, they were kind of dark, it wasn't really threatening, it didn't storm hard, we didn't even get any rain, but it was just moody. And getting a giant dam like that, and there's this giant metal contraption, a crane that was built on tracks to roll, you know, obviously giant equipment back and forth across the top of this dam. I don't know why, but it so thoroughly evoked an idea, in a sense, of like German architecture pre-1945, like like German Nazi type of stuff. And, and it's not that it is. Don't think I'm making, you know, don't, don't misquote me, guys. Don't take that the wrong way. It's just with those ominous clouds and the darkness hanging over the landscape and this giant, giant piece of metalwork, like that's the way the Germans engineered things. If you're a history nerd, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Germany did Everything huge. And that's what this big old huge rusty gray piece of like crane equipment, moving piece of equipment. It's just what it evoked. And the dam itself. Has some really cool looks. I got some really cool pictures that I'm pretty psyched about. You guys need to go check them out. Let me know what you think. Um, But that was a really cool stop. And then I get to looking on the map. And I see like I wanted to go down and see Trail 86. Because again, furthest point from the terminal. My worst stop by far. And it's U-Turn right next to the Hollis Volunteer Fire Department. But I saw on the map the Hollis CCC camp. And I was like, well, hey, now there's one. I didn't go that far. Trail 86 was as far south as I went. What is this Hollis CCC camp business? So I drive down. It's like three and a half miles on down highway. Is that seven or 27? Either way. And I went and checked out the Hollis CCC camp. And it's pretty cool. And I want to talk about this. I want to elaborate this because for any of you outdoors folks, especially here in the South, now, I don't know how this works up in the North. I don't know if this was a thing in the Northern States or not. And yeah, forgive me. I'm ashamed to be someone who is something of a historian um, and getting real close to being able to say that, like not have to say amateur historian, like getting a degree in anthropology and focusing on history. Like I'm actually literally going to be able to say, Oh, I'm a historian. That's a really cool thought. That is something of a motivating factor. I need to put that in my little motivational notebook, whatever. Um, But that's something of an amateur historian my entire life. I'm a little bit ashamed to say that, but I don't know how the CCC worked everywhere, but I know how it works in the South. And for any of you outdoors people, you owe a lot of your recreational opportunities to the Civilian Conservation Corps. If you don't know what that is, because I know most of you do not care for history in the way that I do, um, the Civilian Conservation Corps was a facet of the New Deal put forward by Franklin Delano Roosevelt back when we were coming in, well, we were in the Depression. That's when the Dust Bowl was happening. I know most everyone's heard of the Grapes of Wrath, and you know that's based on a real life event—the migration of. All of those farmers in my home state of Oklahoma, which, by the way, guys, my own family, many of them, the older generation, were a part of that migration I still have family to this day third and fourth cousins that I don't know and I'll probably never meet out in Bakersfield California and up and down the southern coast of California because a lot of Oklahomans and I would suspect Kansans and maybe Arkansans but it was really mostly Oklahomans and that's the the key central focus of what the Dust Bowl was everything in Oklahoma all the crops all of everything was just turned into nothing because of this massive drought. And this is all in the middle of the depression, y'all. It was You want to talk about bad times? You want to talk about bad times? I see you people on Facebook like, God, things cannot get any worse. We have to arm for the revolt, y'all. You have no idea. Pick up a history book. We've got it pretty darn good these days. Anyway, the whole state turned into the Dust Bowl. Why did they call it the Dust Bowl? It wasn't a football cl- game played on a dusty lot somewhere in the middle of a town no it was absolutely a huge it was dust everything was dust turned into sand dunes basically the whole thing in state was just mostly nothing but dust nothing could be farmed i mean the pictures from the dust ball y'all y'all it's a whole thing and i have family that i don't know and probably will never meet you know distant cousins that were all a part of a lot of the people that went out in that migration. And many of them came back. And there's a whole lot of people in this area that have family, like I do, distant relatives that you don't really know out there in California. And it all came from the Dust Bowl. But anyway, Depression Depression era, um, the Dust Bowl's happening. And Roosevelt comes up with this deal. And some people still point to that in political ways. And we're not going to touch any of that on politics. I'm just giving you information today. But one of the things that came up with the new deal is, think of it this way. Y'all, y'all just got stimulus checks, right? We all just been getting stimulus checks for like the last two years because of COVID, right? Okay. This was like one of the original stimulus checks, but you had to work for it. That's all there was to it. Hey, we're going to make jobs and we're going to pay you to do those jobs. Here's your stimulus check. Cause unemployment y'all during the peak of the depression, some estimates have, I say some estimates, some reports, and you know, again, you're a hundred years on nearly at this point, 90 years how accurate was the reporting then, but 25% unemployment rate, one in four, one in four. And they put people to work, but they made jobs to do it. That's where the Civilian Conservation Corps comes in beneath the Works Progress Administration. You have probably, if you're in the South, seen bridges that say WPA 1940 or an old stone school building or library in your little hometown that'll have a a concrete, you know, um, cornerstone in it that says WPA 1938, whatever. That's what that's all about. And what the Civilian Conservation Corps specifically was, they came down here in all these forests that we have all over the South, and they built stone pavilions, they built Mount Magazine Lodge, they built Queen Wilhelmina Lodge, they built dams like Cove Lake, like almost everything that you run into up around Devil's Den in Northwest Arkansas, Civilian Conservation Corps, that's what this was, a Hollis was a Hollis Conservation Corps they had a big role in all the things happening down there. And it was all built towards improving outdoor recreational opportunities and also conservation of our land, our timber, our water, all of the things that we have and all of these incredible forests that we have in the Southern United States. And again, I'm ignorant. I don't know if this happened in the North and I'm not stopping right now to check it on the fly. Um, but it's definitely a thing in the South. And if you are an outdoors person, especially here in Arkansas, Oklahoma, you name it all across the South. You have benefited at some point from the work of the men and women. I believe there were some women involved in some capacities, but it was mostly men. Um, Of the Civilian Conservation Corps, and it may even constitute an episode in its own right someday. You know me, I like to blend the things I love into this podcast. I could easily get a whole podcast about the CCC in here just going over different sites here in the state of Arkansas and Oklahoma that they built. And they're all recreational opportunities, things that people do all the time right now, still here today, living off the handiwork. It benefiting rather from the handiwork of the civ- civilian conservation corps, It's really cool. It's really cool stuff, but I went and checked it out and some of the ruins are there. There's a standing fireplace from, I believe it was the community hall. Um, part of the kitchen area was still there. Like the foundations thereof. Um, the shops where they taught men, like it was kind of vocational in many ways. They would teach men to be mechanics. There was a lot of stuff going on. It's very interesting stuff, but there's a little site down there. And it's the Hollis CCC Camp, and it's right off, I'm going to say it's Highway 7. 27, I believe, is the next one over. But either way, 7 or 27, down there south of Plainview, Arkansas, there's the Hollis CCC Camp and a cool little walking trail with all the um, historical signage for interpretation. Really cool place to check out. So I went and I did that. So I've gone down. I've seen some of the places. I went to Nimrod Dam. I went down and checked out something else I'd never seen, the Hollis CCC camp. Came back up and I cruised down Highway 314, which is a really neat little drive. And you guys, just any of you that like to take driving trips, if you're local, this is a good one for you. Guys, go hit you some Highway 80. Take Highway 80 out of Waldron. Go over to Danville or Ola. Either one. You can cut across the mountain in either place. Um and go over to Plainview, scoot all the way down to Hollis area, hit highway 314, come back over to the other highway 7 or 27. It's one of those two. Um, it's one or the other. Either side is one or the other, and I don't remember which one's which at this moment. Um, Come back up that highway to highway 28, and you hoof it down highway 28. There are a lot of really cool buildings and abandoned barns and things like that to take pictures of, y'all. Like, I got to bunch of cool pictures. And I've posted three or four of them again, over on Instagram. You should go over there and check it out. Um, it's really, really cool. Um, but it's a great day driving trip, y'all. If you're going through the mountains, you're going through the the plantation pines, you're going, it's absolutely gorgeous driving down through there. And all the roads are pretty dang solid. The state highways, especially are really good shape. It's a great day driving trip. And so we came back around and I, I went back up twenty eight. Got over to, you know, just south of Waldron, hit 71 south, and I hooked it back up. And I had dinner in Waldron. And that's another thing. Whenever you get out on day trips, yo, you know, you're saving the money. You ain't spending the night somewhere, whatever. You're probably going to eat anyway somewhere. If you did take your whole big old weekend trip, might as well eat a cool dinner somewhere. It's somewhere local. I'm a big fan of eating food locally, you know, at the local diners, the local non-chain style restaurants. And so I checked out Judy's Drive-In there in Waldron. I had the old hamburger, because I went in there, okay, and this to be fair, I went in there, and I looked at the menu, and I was like, hmm, they're all about burgers and fries, but we got this whole section about Tex-Mex over here, yeah, no, I'm not going to try that, this place feels, looks the part, it's Judy's Drive-In, right, this looks the part of the place where if you want to get a greasy burger, this is the place to get a greasy burger, and I did that, and it was an excellent, excellent, excellent hamburger, you guys, a lot of you older Folks, a lot of you older timers, you know what I'm talking about when I say some of those old drive-ins in the middle of nowhere, they still have that same cast iron top grill that's been there since 1963. And it has that flavor. It has that different taste. It has that whatever it is that makes it that thing that makes them those hamburgers you can't get just anywhere. Judy's Diner in Waldron, Arkansas has those burgers. It just, it's a flavor y'all like it's a seasoned grill top that has been seasoned for 40 or 50 freaking years. I'm not even joking. It's a real thing. Look into it. If you don't believe me for all you youngsters out there, they've got that grill in there and those burgers, that burger was absolutely killer. Really, really loved that burger. And then I made the, you know, from there made the rest of the drive home, came home last night, did what finished my final for, um, art history too, which I passed with flying colors, by the way, and I'm moving on to the next class, but I got, you know, the compromise worked. I got out, I did my adventure, I saw things that I hadn't seen before, like the Hollis CCC camp, I got to see Lake, or Nimrod Dam, even though I'd been in the area before, and knew it was there, never went down, checked it out, super, super cool structure, really, really cool to see. Got a really cool hamburger from somewhere I'd never eaten before, a really good hamburger at a cool little place I'd never eaten before, it was a great day trip and I made it home in order to be able to still do a piece of my homework, you know, a section of my schooling that needed to be done. And I was able to kill all the birds with all the stones at one time or whatever. You know, I'm sure there's some kind of a some kind of analogy there that I just absolutely butchered, but my brain, we get towards the end of these episodes, guys, my brain starts to go mushy on me. Um so I apologize. I apologize, but I think you know what I'm getting at. Now, let's talk about, for our last story of the night, our last wandering of the night, W-A-N-D-E-R-I-N-G. Let's talk about day two, which was Sunday, which was yesterday. When I set out to do yesterday, this was something, and this is one reason I kind of do enjoy Instagram. Y'all, We there was something I was going to talk about tonight that I didn't touch on, and I'm still trying to sit on it and think about it for the future But I'm getting really disgusted with Instagram. This outdoor thing has become a fad of epic proportions. And there's very little sincerity or genuineness in the people that are there. And there's a whole, whole, whole lot of vanity. And most of it is just about that dopamine kick and getting those likes. And I'm getting really, really disgusted with the culture of what this whole outdoors fad has become for those of us that have been doing this our whole lives and love the back country. And it means more than just being able to be a part of a cool club. It It's harder to watch when it gets co-opted. I mean, hijacked in a way into the next cool fad to be in the next cool group. And it's getting, it's getting a little weird. So we're going to talk about that. We will probably talk about that at some point, because I do believe there's, there's, there's a reason to address it. Because those of you who I'm trying to get this podcast to your ears, those of you who have been through things in your life, who find that wilderness therapy, that backcountry therapy, who find that outdoor therapy to be valuable to you. So many of you have told me I've had great conversations with so many of you about how intimidated and deterred you can be because everywhere you look on social media, which we're all a part of to look for ideas and things to do all you see is this domination by seemingly incredibly confident people and that you think you're going to get out there and you're going to look out a place you're going to fill out a place that you're not going to fit in it does have an application that I think we need to discuss because it ain't like that when you really get out there you find out a lot of the stuff that you see on the Instagram even for all those 100,000 dollar four-wheel drive rigs rarely 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 do you ever see them really back in the stuff They're not out there to get back in this stuff like we are. They're out there to be somewhere where lots of people will see them. Okay. There's a truth to that. And I want to discuss it at some point because I want to continue to give you guys encouragement to live your lives and take your life back from whatever you've been through. That's I think that there's I think there's application. I think that there is warrant for us to discuss that. But there is good in the Instagrams, in the Facebooks, and the TikToks of the world, because like you do, you can get some great ideas. I'd never heard of the Blue Springs Heritage Center. I'd never heard of Blue Spring up there in Northwest Arkansas, real close to Eureka Springs. I know a lot about Eureka Springs. Eureka Springs is gorgeous. It's an amazing place. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about all of that here over the next few minutes before we wrap up tonight's show. I saw it on Facebook um not facebook it was instagram i think it was instagram and it doesn't matter either one same thing i saw it on instagram and i was like hey that's up there i've been wanting to kind of you know get another northwest arkansas road trip in you know from here in the river valley it's not that far you know a couple of hours you're up there really in the thick of the ozarks and i'll get me a day trip up into that area into the agenda and that Blue Springs popped up and I was like, you know, Blue Spring Heritage Center and it's got a lot going on. Number one, it's a really big spring, whole lot of water coming out of the ground. Absolutely gorgeous blue color, but it has a lot of Native American heritage and uh, ties to indigenous roots. Has the history. It's got the nature. It's got the beauty. It's got all the things. So I was like we're going to have to work that in. So let's start looking at, OK, if I'm going to go up here to Blue Spring i going to be cruising. Oh, looky there. And this was one of those that popped up on Google maps. I just noticed it offhand. It's a place I knew about, but hadn't really considered visiting, you know, anytime recently. And I saw Monty and Monty is a very interesting thing. Um, And I thought, you know what? We've had a whole lot of drought for a whole lot of months. I bet I can see some of Monty Um, And so that's what I set out to do. Take a driving trip, go check out Montigny, go from Montigny over to Blue Spring and check out everything they've got. Then maybe we can go over and look at Beaver Dam from Beaver Dam. We'll go down into Eureka and Eureka. If we got time, we can check out some of the shops. It's been a while since I've been in there like that. Find a cool place to eat and then wrap it up. Come home and I can do my what? Gosh, what was it? We just finished art history comp and do my comp to homework. And you know, that's what played out. So how did that go? What is this trip all about? And tell me, Justin, what is Montigny? All right, well, let's talk about it. Montigny follows in the tradition of the many entrepreneurs that came west after the the European colonization of the eastern seaboard of the U.S. And as things start to progress westward and states begin to open up and more explorations are taken, there are a lot of entrepreneurs that came across these awesome mineral springs. And, I mean, again, hot springs? Is based on hot springs, mineral springs, Eureka Springs. The whole town is setting on like what 70 plus, I think, springs, natural springs, and hotels sprang up everywhere. There's springs all over the area in the Ozarks. And a lot of entrepreneurs, they made these hotels and they they would do their little snake oil thing. We have healing waters, be cured of cancer and, and melanoma and mesothelioma and all these things that don't even exist yet. It'll cure you of everything and it will make you strong and beautiful and you'll live forever. Like that was a thing. Back in the 1800s, in the early 1900s, it was a big deal. Well, Montigny follows in the tradition of that. And I'm actually going to read you a quick ex- excerpt here about the history of Montini just to give you guys an idea of what's going on with it. Um, and I'm taking this from Wikipedia because it was the most immediate source. I know Wikipedia is not a great source. But when it comes to things like this that aren't politically charged or scientifically versus <laughs> evolutionary versus religion, When it's just stuff like this that nobody cares about, it's usually pretty accurate. Um, It's usually a history nerd like myself locally who wrote the page. So we're gonna trust it tonight. Nee was a community in the Ozark Mountains of the White River Valley, east of Rogers, on the edge of Beaver Lake in the U.S. state of Arkansas. From 1901 until the mid-1930s, the area was a health resort and an ambitious planned community. It was owned and operated by William Hope Harvey, a financial theorist and one-time U.S. presidential nominee. Two of its hotels, Missouri Row and Oklahoma Row, were the largest log buildings in the world at that time. Oklahoma Rose Tower section is one of the earliest examples of a multi-story concrete structure. Now that's fascinating. The tower is the only structure of Montigny still standing that can be seen at normal lake levels. Montigny introduced the first indoor swimming pool in Arkansas, and it was also the site of the only presidential convention ever held in the state. Y'all, Montigny was a resort and a massive one at that. The pictures, if you get online of it in its heyday, it'll blow your mind. And you may have noticed that I mentioned something in that little excerpt from Wikipedia. It mentioned that at normal lake levels, it's one of the only buildings you can still see. Yes, you heard that right. Why is Montigny interesting? Because the ruins of Montigny were inundated by Beaver Lake when it was constructed in 1964. And when the water gets really low... When we have really droughty conditions, you can go and you can see the ruins of Montigny because the lake will drop thirty feet sometimes or close to twenty feet thirty feet. I think like twenty-seven was a was a extreme level And, and the amphitheater that was built for it is visible, the retaining walls for a really interesting structure. This guy seemed like he had some some delusions of grandeur, possibly, not to speak ill of the dead, even though he's been departed for, you know, a century. Um But it sounds like he had some delusions of grandeur because he was trying to build like this pyramid. He wanted to build an obelisk, okay, that would reach above the valley because by his particular reckoning of geology, those mountains would eventually erode away and fill in the entire valley. And the only thing that would be standing invisible would be this obelisk he was going to build to which he was going to encase within it. Basically, a book of his writings about his discourse on the Bible and his takes on the politics of the day. And obvious, you know, a lot of other little things that are time capsule esque that would have been indicative of the lifestyles of the time. Um, And that's kind of I mean, I think that my theory might actually hold up because his resort eventually failed. Because he started putting all of his money and focus into this obelisk, which was in a sense a monument to himself. You know, that's me reading between the lines. But what he was going to encapsulate in it was basically his worldview. And that never did come to pass. Um, But that's what also ended a resort. But why today? For you, if you are, say, a scuba diver, it is an incredibly popular place. Beaver Lake is a huge scuba diving destination. The waters are crystal clear. Beaver is a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, you can go dive Montigny and see some of those ruins underwater. Or, right time of year, and everything is droughty you might can see it above water. And that's what I went to do yesterday. And I did get to see that one standing tower that remains of Oklahoma row. I did get to see the chimney that is all that remains of Missouri row. And I did get to see a few remains kind of sort of poking their way out of the lake, but the lake's not as low as I expected. It might be given all the drought conditions. Um, But it's really, really fascinating. Somewhere just out there beyond my eyesight was literally an amphitheater underwater. And also, if you're a scuba diver, there are several bridges that actually are still in place underneath the lake there that cross the canal that he dredged to bring all the spring waters down into one big lake which is, guys, he built a railroad to bring people to it. He got a gondola, like not the kind of gondolas that ride on railroads, but the gondolas that you push up and down a canal, like think of Venice. He had a whole thing going on. He had a huge conceptual mind and it would have been freaking popping, y'all. That place would have slapped in its day. And now the ruins are all inundated beneath the waters of beaver lake. And if you're a scuba diver, you can check it out. Or if you're just an intrepid explorer, you don't even have to be intrepid. You can drive right up to it on pavement and park where the boat ramp is. And if the lake's low, you can walk around and explore those ruins all on your own. And it makes for some really cool picture opportunities. Lake wasn't quite low enough for my purposes yesterday, but I did get to do some exploring and I'm glad that I went and got to see it. From there, I went on up to The Blue Springs Heritage Center. Blue Spring Heritage Center is a really, really cool place. It is a spring that pumps a whole bunch of water out of the ground. I believe they said 38 million gallons a day, which is, I thought, dang, that's really high. Is that like up there at the top with like Spring River where Mammoth Spring comes out? We talked about that, God, a year ago on here, Mammoth Spring pumping out 9 million gallons an hour. But then I did some quick, you know. Math and I was like, no, that's way different. But 38 million gallons a day, still, still a whole lot of water coming out of the ground. Super cool place, and it has got heritage, y'all. It has got history. Archaeologist place. The first inhabitants spending time in the bluff shelter right above the spring area as far back as 10,000 BC, if I'm not mistaken, maybe it was 8,000 BC, which would be 10,000 years ago. But either way, we're talking the earliest paleo-indigenous people of this nation inhabited that rock shelter. In the history that goes with that rock shelter coming up into the present day, multiple bands all the way from the Woodland Indian period all the way into the Mississippian period. Um, y'all, so much stuff. But then you also have, oh, Danny Boone. You remember talking about Daniel Boone several episodes ago? Like if he had had his way, we'd have like a 51st state of America called Transylvania. Man, I would have gone to the University of Transylvania. That would be That would be life goals if we had the state of Transylvania here. It's like gosh can you imagine trying to keep up with that learning all your state names throw transylvania into the mix but anyway he spent some nights there a few a handful of famous people spent nights there there was a grist mill right there off of it that was burned down in um civil war activity y'all the history is rich there and it is incredibly beautiful it is reminiscent of like a japanese zen garden it it really is. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous botanical garden type of a situation with this beautiful blue spring welling up, um in in a concreted out and uh, rock retaining walled area. You know they they controlled this even way back in the day. They built a concrete cap around it to kind of control the flow of water into a single you know a individualized channel, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but it's a really cool place with a whole lot of history, a whole lot of heritage, and it's absolutely gorgeous. You want to talk about a serene place. And again, if you're into photography, big time photographic opportunities, like we're talking lush, y'all, the flowers, vibrant, vibrant colored flowers, blues, purples, yellows, reds, um, the blue water. Like if you are a good photographer, the opportunities abound. And there's a lot of great, like, again, a lot of great history there. But also you learn about a lot of that history up in their little, um, in their interpretive center. There's a video you watch before you go down to kind of get an idea. It, it kind of orients you to what you're about to go see and what you're going to look into. And it was absolutely awesome. It was a really, really cool stop. Um, it's going to cost you a few dollars. I think it was sixteen fifty ahead a head for adults or whatever. But it was a really, really cool stop. And from there, you can just plug right over and head down 20 miles or so, 20 minutes or so. You can head down to Eureka Springs, y'all. And Eureka Springs is where it's at in this state. Eureka Springs is awesome. It is for everyone. If you're into photography, if you're into history, if you're into hiking, if you're into anything, guys, Eureka Springs is just a killer place. It is It is absolutely popping. There's so much that goes on there. And gosh, I mean, heck, if you're into the paranormal, y'all, the Crescent Hotel is there. They have ghost tours. Like, you need to see Eureka Springs with your own eyes. You know, I've been there before a few times here and there, kind of passed through. I've eaten dinner or I ate lunch there one day. But when you really get into the side streets and the back streets of Eureka and you see the Crescent Hotel with your own eyes, when you see all the way these little streets are designed and the corner buildings and it's. It is a step back in time. So it really should carry the banner for the state of Arkansas as far as towns go, as far as cities go. Um, And if it doesn't, I don't know who does because no one deserves it more than they do. Eureka is a great place. And I had dinner there in Eureka. I ate at the Rowdy Beaver. Y'all, Rowdy Beaver. I had me some chicken fried chicken up in the Rowdy Beaver. There's so many animals, it got confusing. But I had chicken fried chicken at the Rowdy Beaver and it was really, really excellent, y'all. It was really excellent. I gained a lot of weight over the weekend, I think. I think the day trips were not doing my figure any um favors, but my taste buds are still thanking me, and I still have a little bit of Rowdy Beaver Chicken Fried Chicken hanging out in my refrigerator right this second, and maybe a snack right after I finish recording this as I start editing tonight's show. But y'all should really check it out day trips. That's what tonight's episode is all about. Compromising when you can't make those big fancy trips that we want so bad to make those, those eight hour road trips to those, those quote unquote, again, those domestically exotic places that are outside of our general everyday confines. And when sometimes it's just not feasible, sometimes the money's not there. Sometimes the time's not there, but the need is still there our need to grow ourselves, our need to explore, our need to assuage our anxiety, our need for our wilderness therapy still exists. Day trips can be the compromise we need when it's only gas that we're spending and maybe a decent dinner. And if you don't need that dinner, again, we talked about it um, in a different episode. Make you a sandwich, bring your ice chest, bring your own drinks. You can have some really cheap, Awesome adventures you could go from taking your whole family to just going by yourself. But once you pick a place and you hit that road and you go, it is back to being the freedom of the open road. Even if you're going to a section of a state you've already been to, if you go with your eyes wide open and your mind wide open and you start looking for the things you haven't done, you will be amazed. What is there to see that you've never seen and you can still get that little taste of that thing? that you've never seen before, that you've never done, and just expand your your wisdom, your knowledge, your intellect, your everything just a little bit more. Every road trip has its benefits, and that includes day trips. And anyway, I don't know, man, that kind of wraps up tonight's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I sure enjoyed making it. Um, sometimes I get these ideas, like I've still got like three episodes sitting on the back burner that I need to be knocking out. Um, But I haven't felt particularly inspired about them. So I kind of leave them back there simmering, waiting for something, you know, maybe to come up that will go along with them or inspire that button, that hook, that theme, that through line that will carry that episode. So we got episodes waiting, just sitting back there waiting to be to be baked so we can put them out there for you guys to consume. But this one came up. It was organic. I was looking forward to talking about it. So we just fired it off tonight. It was a little bit from the hip because I got a whole lot of stuff going on. But I hope that the content was there. I hope that you enjoyed what you heard. Um, If any of you guys have any episode ideas. Now, this is for real. Get in touch with me. My at gmail.com. If any of you guys have any episode ideas, like concepts, you know, know, sometimes there's this concepts like, hey, I think it'd be cool if you talked about. Tell me. Let me know and I'm not making an episode about it. Y'all get in touch with me. Tell me, I mean, I'll talk about it. If you want to send me questions or something you want to hear me talk about or get my opinions on, because um, people do ask me in messages sometimes, send me a message asking me to talk about it and I will just give me permission to talk about it on the show. I don't even have to use your name or whatever, whatever it is you want to hear the question or hear the answer to at least my thoughts on a question or a th- something you, a concept you'd like me to talk about, man, send it my way. I would like to explore this. I think this would be a fun little experiment. Like send it to me at my at gmail.com. Or you can, if you're follow me on Instagram, send me a message, whatever. Um, I think that would be really cool. I love interaction and I, I always want to urge you guys to get interactive with me. I want to engage with you guys. Um, I hope that you guys will like, and subscribe. And if you do like and subscribe, I hope that you will go leave a review anywhere that you listen to the show. Um, for anything else you guys might like to see about the projects we have going on, the things that we're working on, the places we're trying to go, the things we're trying to do, go over to waywardstories.com. You can listen to the show there from the main page. You can check out our photo galleries. You can do basically anything right there. You can get the links to my Instagram page, my Facebook profile, anything. If you want to get in touch, waywardstories.com is the way to go. Um, And I think that does it. I think that wraps us up for tonight. You guys don't forget about that Ozarks Home and Recreation Expo that is coming up here in about a month now, two months now. Um, Like I said earlier, we're going to have some great giveaways um, from Bendetti Optics and Solomon Dry Goods. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff going stuff going on you guys keep an eye on my instagram page on my tiktok because we'll be doing announcements over those things as they come in a lot of cool stuff going on right now and i'd like to make you guys a part of it so until next time i hope you guys have a good couple of weeks coming out of this labor day weekend and we will see you again in two weeks and until i do you guys go out there find something good to do in this world and do not forget to be good to each other